0: this is don't sell the farm
1: listen friend god does not have to say to us again i want you to go out and witness it 1900 years ago Jesus said to us go ye out into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature he does not have to say one more word those are our marching orders we need no signs from heaven we need no urging of the spirit we have a command that has never been rescinded every believer is commanded to go and witness for Jesus Christ those orders have never been rescinded the urgency of the hour is into all the world and we do not have for ever to preach this gospel but time is running out should i say cut it or cutter cut her? Em.
0: cut them because cutter Poke is like I'm a female
1: it. version of cutting like cutter
0: you know cut what
1: well it sounds like cut her so it's like a oh, ship is a girl Cutter.
0: You know, I always. <clears throat> Church is a female. Every time there's a every time there's a sermon where where somebody mentions, you know, there's people out there in this crowd. I know that there's uh-huh. cutters. Yeah, I'm like, I'm gonna get four texts. Yeah, it's happening.
1: Cutters, are you a cutter? I,
0: I've never been a cutter. I used to burn myself with cigarettes all the time, though. That was my thing. So I don't know if that's kind of in the same league. You know what I think
1: I, that's ironic. Why? That as a cutter, you weren't into cutting. <laughs> <laughs> You're into burning. I think it's should I have wanted, been the burners. but you're always wrong. Burners. Got him. Yeah. I haven't heard that one before. What? That was pretty good. That no, you're wrong. always
0: wrong? You're always wrong. Okay, well.
1: All right. That was pretty... Uh,
0: <laughs> pretty I, savage, huh?
1: Yeah, I think you took a long time to think about that one. What? It really, it really hit me hard.
0: Did I? <clears throat> good. Yes. Good, good, good. You've never heard that one?
1: Never. Liar. Only since I was like six. Okay,
0: well... Yeah, I've never heard the cutter joke either. <laughs> actually, it is ironic that I burned myself. I actually can't
1: myself. believe you've never – no one's ever given you the signal.
0: No one's ever given me the signal. That's no like told me to cut it. Totally like... I mean, people have told me cut it out. You know, I've seen that one before.
1: No, but like a hello like, hey, what's up? Hey,
0: cutter. No, huh? no. They used to call me back in the day. So, So my name has evolved over the years. It was DC before I got saved. Okay. David Cutter. Uh, yeah, I'm on. I was used to wear a DC hat. I'm tra- DC. Listen, shoes. I am tracking. Tracking That's, with that one. Right. It's not a far leap. And then, and then it, and then it evolved into D Cut. After I got saved, I don't know where that. That was just. I think uh, Andy Rosas gets credit for that one. Okay. Um,
1: I've like, heard him credited with several. nicknames. Yeah, he's the he's the nickname
0: people. master, I believe. Okay. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, they just stick. His nicknames stick. Yeah. You know, I think it's I think it's just because he sticks with them. Russ yeah. Rev? Rev Russ? Rev Russ. Rev yeah, Russ. Yeah, yeah, Rev Russ. That was a aunt, that was that's a Rosas, uh, right? That was a Rosus one. That was uh, Eli Snyder. His middle name is yeah, Russell. I know. Reverend Russell.
1: I mean I don't know if he likes it or not,
0: but Well, it's it's a good nickname, all all things considered. Oh, no, that's all right. I mean no I mean no no pain. I, I'm sorry, I'm in a joking mood because of this guy. This 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 man in front of me I think it's the roomy.
1: alarms that put you in a joking mood. <laughs> <thing.
0: laughs> yeah. Well, to, to give context, we uh, we tried. This is round two of us of us really trying to record this. We had uh, round one. We had alarms going off for a good what thirty five minutes. Yeah. We decided to. Uh,
1: we got some quality time with Pastor Morales.
0: We got some quality time with Pastor Morales. That was good, but uh, you know we even talked about some good things. I wish we had it all, but uh, you know it is what it is. The uh, alarm ended that. So we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and. Get started on your testimony, Micah. The second time. The second time. So why don't you tell us where you came from? And and for context, so just because Micah, I know he forgets to mention this, his father is Dennis Wright, evangelist Dennis Wright, evangelized for years, twenty some years, thirty.
1: Wow. How many? Now now you're putting you putting. What you believe about people is they fade off. You're, you're projecting that onto me, that that's how I view people. They just kind of fade off.
0: I'm not projecting s- that on since you. Since he's
1: no longer with us. He's just faded off into my mind.
0: Well, no, he's in heaven. He's, he's hanging out, man. Yeah. He's celebrating.
1: <laughs> stop, um, stop.
0: Stop. Stop. <laughs> I know you're not like that. Don't even try to fake it.
1: I'm a very bad fake crier.
0: You're terrible. No, no, no. How long was he an evangelist for? Just okay
1: so um, my dad uh, Dennis Wright he evangelized for 25 years started in 92 one year out of Carbondale and then one uh, then the next obviously he moved to Prescott 1993 uh, so 24 years out of Prescott right and uh, loved it Somebody asked me recently um, if I ever regretted like if I ever resented, the, the ministry yeah like my dad being an evangelist uh-huh. my dad uh-huh. being somebody that was away and and I know because of weekends and things it doesn't work out exactly like this but basically two-thirds of my life because he'd be gone for two weeks home for one yeah so since I was seven until I moved out um he was gone two-thirds of my life and they asked me if I resented that and I honestly never thought of it like that yeah I'd never even my dad being an evangelist was like the, like so cool. Yeah. I lo- I loved that my dad was an evangelist. Well, it's
0: kind of if you think about it too, it's uh it's not actually all that diff- dissimilar from you know, a guy who works a really long hours yeah. job and then comes home in the evenings only.
1: I think perspective, yeah. you
0: know. Perspective. Perspective-wise, you, you know, if you work a, a regular nine-to-five or, you know, even longer than that in some industries, then you're not really seeing your kids all during that time. Yep. You just see them in the evening. Then you yeah. go to bed, and that's it. So you, you see them every day, but it's about the same amount of time. With your dad, he's home. Yeah. Hanging out for a week, right?
1: And what's nice is that with when he would go, we would be able to go with him. Yeah, that's From time cool. to time. I remember being cool. a young kid and even as a teenager going with him to revivals i got to meet these pastors i got to go to these places i got to see what my father was involved in i got experience with uh, with the ministry of him of watching him seeing how he developed things how he he learned and in those long drive conversations inevitably there are things that come out you know he's he's finished a revival um, he's excited or he's, there's something he's like working on. And so he would talk about it. It would be, you know, this worked, this is what I'm working on. I'm developing this sensitivity. Uh, I remember talking to him. And, and of course I, now I wish I had have asked a lot more questions. Let but me ask you,
0: did you, do you kind of do that with your sons too? I mean, cause your sons are like saved kids. Yeah, You know? Yeah. Trevor and Daniel. Yeah. Um, do you, do you have those kind of conversations with them?
1: Um. Yeah, and and I think the benefit for them is they've seen – so when we got sent out, um, Trevor was, uh, I think, two. Daniel had just been born, or he was a few months old. So they didn't really see that West Jordan pioneer setting. They, they kind of – probably their earliest memories would be 29 Palms. Yeah. And that, for me, 29 Palms was a fantastic experience. Uh, for my family, for me I, I was there was a lot of things God was working out in me. Right. Uh, just character issues and just things I I was not things I lacked things I uh, failed in and uh, and so f- for them seeing that they didn't really see the struggle um, of who I was. Mm-hmm. But once we got into Samoa that was where they were very much a part of the pioneer process and yeah. working. So with d- was, me in that.
0: was uh it was American Samoa, right? Yeah. When when you were there, was that a pioneer church or did you take over something or
1: No, we took over we took over a church um and you know, it 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 almost became kind of like a, a pioneer setting um but we were able to like work through things and there were mm-hmm. so many things now I look back that I that had to be worked through that I didn't realize, um, uh, you know, because of the the culture difference. I really American Samoa is an interesting place because it is American Samoa. There is a lot mm-hmm. of American influence. Yeah, most of the people on the island have been either to America, have a family member in America. They're very connected to the military, American football. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of American influence, and so I kind of was deceived. By their ability to act American, I see. I kind of believed um, that they they were they were like kind of thought like me. They kind of lived, you know, similar. And I saw a lot of things that were different. But um, I think that that was why culture shock took so long to hit me, mm. uh, and and my family as well. It took a while to hit because they were able to acknowledge this is an American family and we are going to act American to him. I see. And so I kind of didn't realize that they were very different. So I would so do them. It I, was
0: kind of, they were they were playing a part for you.
1: Yeah. Like, and I was playing really, a part as well, you know, like, uh, you know, doing things. And so I would act kind of American to them, not realizing that their culture is very un-American. Mm-hmm. They, they, they don't share, you know, the culture, the values are very different. Yeah. So when I would act and do things, um, I was offending them; they were offending me with some of their things they would do. But you, you know, just because you love people and they love the pasture, and you just kind of ignore it for a while. Yeah. And you just okay, that's no big deal. And and there were moments where it would boil over, and I would, you know, be in the house, and I'm just like just so filled with angst and anxiety and anger, and mm-hmm. I just like I'm so uncomfortable because this is a new land, and and. But those were, you know, I would get over it and, and be able to go back and minister and stuff. But but culture shock took a while until I realized these people are not Americans at all. Yeah. They don't think like me. Kinda and I had to code. learn, like, yeah, as Pastor Payne says, that yeah. you know, crack that code. And um, so there was, like, a crisis of ministry there. Um, once that Once we got through that, we were able to delve into the culture and and I really had to decide am I going to manage the church here or I'm going to pastor these people Mm. and when I what
0: what would you say is the difference between that, managing the church and pastoring people I don't know, well
1: for me for me in American Samoa, it was a a bit of like bunker mentality Mm where we had our place, it was like, this is a home. And you need that, I, I think you need that, like in a different place, you need a place where, or a different nation, you need a place where you can have your family and you can, you know, have your cultural yeah. things. I, I think that's good, but we were like in a in a bunker at certain times, I was, and so I, I don't think that was good. That was, so I would go out and manage them. You know, it's like, so I'm just managing, yeah. but I would leave my comfortable space, go manage them. So when I became their pastor is when I started um, appreciating their culture, appreciating who they were and trying to dial in on why they thought the way they thought and mm. and why they approached things a certain way when I started like because I had when I got there I read the history mm-hmm. you know I was like aware of the history sure and that helped me but when I started wanting to love them and love their culture and love the way they think and like genuinely interested in i want to help these people be excellent christians yeah and so how do i get them to that place so when i started doing that that's that's when i started becoming their pastor Mm -mm. and not just a manager of a of a of a church right um because that's it's just very miserable i think it's miserable miserable for them as well as for me
0: what's the difference in, uh, in terms of, like, how you see things at the church if you're managing versus pastoring? Is it just the way you look at the people, the way you look
1: uh, at... I think for me, I things were... For me, it was because of my personality. It was just they would do things that just purely frustrated me. I see. It was like, that's frustrating. Instead of, you know, because I'm just a manager. You know, and, and yeah. I again, it's not like this was the only thing. I really do... I do love people like I went there because I loved people, you know, like I loved them. I wanted them to do good. I wanted them to be great, great Christians. I never wanted to just manage them. Sure. Like that wasn't my desire, but that's just kind of what happened. That's what it became because I didn't understand certain things and, and I I had to learn and, 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 and I'm still learning it. Um, so that was the difference to me is, is that, that management.
0: Uh, what are some?
1: What, were, what, what did you just ask? I guess I guess
0: I guess uh, just the difference between, you know, the way you viewed the people when you viewed them f- from like I'm managing versus I'm pastoring. How do uh, what? I I, I don't yeah. really understand. You know, yeah, I guess man. I I guess I kind of see it like you're. Just being their boss, the guy who's yeah. here to who's here to make everybody miserable and make sure work is getting done. <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah,
1: yeah, kinda. And again, it wasn't intentional. I didn't start out wanting to right. do that. It was just that's what it became because I didn't understand and I didn't there was not there was a love for people in general, but I had to develop a love for these people. Like this church. Yeah. The people God's put under my care, loving them at a very deep level. And, and I think a lot of that, I had to develop security in my own self.
0: Yeah. I think there's a difference in loving humanity
1: yeah. and loving human beings, yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was the difference is a pretty significant yeah. difference,
0: right? Yeah. That's you difference. hear, you hear a lot about, uh, like using a political example, you hear a lot from politicians. Oh no, I have, I love humanity, right? I care for people. In general, Mm -hmm. and that's why I'm enacting this terrible policy because I care for people. Yeah, it's like, but then humans—the youngest among us—drive them insane. Then you, yeah,
1: (laughs) you know, everything. Everybody's in a group.
0: Exactly, people groups. They love this group of people, but they don't actually. They meet people from that group and they're like, meh, later for you." Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, and once once I was able to kind of work that out, and it it took time, and it took leadership you know, my pastor mm-hmm. uh, speaking to things that, that were in me, um, that, you know, it's just, it, it, it is so helpful. Once, once you like, once I received it, it, it was so helpful.
0: When you're out in the field, how often did you talk to pastor Greg? Not enough. Not enough.
1: <laughs> I think that's my universal answer.
0: Okay. But how, how often is not enough?
1: Call yeah. Um, I mean,
0: obviously, there's a difference between I call them every single day and I call them once a year. That's a pretty – that's kind of the, yeah. the spectrum, right? What would you say? Where would you fall? On well, that? the problem to is – once a year or closer to every day?
1: Yeah, closer to every day but not, yeah. not every day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably a good thing. The good thing about being overseas was there's a monthly report and so it was like there was ar- already a connection. Yeah, yeah. Just by that, um, the projection but – um, I think he meant he actually answered this a, a little bit ago in the breakfast. Is when you when you first go out. When I first went out, I had questions about a lot of stuff that mm-hmm. I didn't. I don't have questions about anymore. Sure. Just because it's all new, and and so once I'd asked the question a couple times, it was like, um, I don't need to call about that anymore. Yeah. I I have a file for it, as he he says. Yeah.
0: yeah. Kind of know what to do.
1: But there were things I think that once i went out looking back it's like i i didn't have a lot of questions about people or like church circumstances because Mm -hmm. there wasn't a whole lot and and honestly there was some points where there's not a whole lot going on so it's not like it's just mellow yeah things are just happening like but those were the moments where i needed to call and ask questions about myself i see not about the church it was like about me i'm i'm having this difficulty in myself and and so i just i kind of thought well there's nothing to ask about because the church is just here but it was like no that's what i needed to ask about for myself like character issues and, and work those things out i see so what
0: what yeah. what prevents that you just
1: yeah for pride to, for pride. me it was pride and
0: afraid of a rebuke or whatever
1: yeah yeah The but the regret is um Every time I've been rebuked, it's been helpful, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like the thing I, I, that I didn't want, like I wanted to avoid so much was the moments in my life that I was most helped. Yeah. So yeah. Pride is just a, it's a brutal thing. Yeah. It, it, it really hurt me for a long, time. It is funny,
0: man. Every, every time I've ever said, I don't want to. I don't want to bring that up. It's just like, yeah. uh, you kind of, you kind of almost know what the answer is going to be. Yeah. But the rebuke is actually valuable. Yeah. You know, cause it's like, okay, I got that out. Yeah. You know, and I got, I, and I got, I got told what I needed to hear and I'm better.
1: And in my life, you know, it, my experiences of ministry with, and pastor Greg ha, have been, um, in the failure to ask the question, God arranges life where, the problem of my pride bubbles up to his, where it's like, okay, now he has to deal with now it. Now he has to. You know, God has arranged yeah. my life that way. Because, like, <laughs> Pastor I Pastor says
0: it this way. He says, God has very big pins for when your head gets a little too big. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, yeah, but... So that's what I needed. And and so in, I wish that I had have dealt with it by going and asking. Yeah. Um, but so often it was, I just didn't want to get rebuked or was afraid or or didn't see it a lot of times i just didn't see it but god arranged life to where it comes to his attention and then i get rebuked but that's so like that's what i needed that's what changed me like would you
0: say it's kind of liberating
1: yeah absolutely like i look back now on issues of pride and in no way would i say i have solved this like Like, cause that's the, the, like, I don't want to do that just out of principle because that's very scary. Yeah. Um, but when he, when I was working through how much pride I had, I look now and I think it's a good thing. The rapture didn't happen because even though I, I was like pastoring pride is a sin. Yeah. And the level of it that I was working in. Yeah. Was like I don't know. Yeah, man. Like, like I don't know. I it 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 shows the mercy of God. Yeah. And the graciousness of our our leaders, Pastor Greg, and and leadership to le- to let us work things out where they know, mm-hmm. like they are aware. Yeah. Like he he knew exactly who I was, but he was like giving me time, you know, yeah. to work it out. And so when that finally was happening, and and he had you know pointed out things in my life. It hurt at first, and 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 the truth. Is, okay, so I was very angry, um, kind of at him, but not really. I, more more so, what I realized is I was more angry at God. I was very entitled. Yeah, like I was thinking, I'm doing all this stuff, and God, you're not helping me, and and so it was like that. That was painful, but I did go to God, and I was anger praying, but I was praying. <laughs> sure, you know, at least I was at the right source. Yeah, yeah. And so in praying, it was like God began to help me and and it took years to work things out but it's like he switched a light on in my head through through pastor greg and through praying and and not with a good attitude all the time but it did work out and god switched some things on in my head and just like flashed across my mind years worth of preaching and instruction that i had gotten and it was like that's all the things i need to fix my heart Wow! And when that happened, it was like the start of, oh, maybe I have a problem. <laughs> and then just, and so it took years for these things, you know, all to come out. And, and so finally, when I came to the point where it was like, okay, maybe I have a pride problem in this one area. And to oh, me, it wow. was like, okay, this area, yeah, all right, that's what's causing me problems is I, this in that area only is oh. I got a pride problem. And so I really did, with an honest heart, I, I began to pray and uh, begin to, you know, look through Proverbs about pride and humility and, you know, I, I wanted to be genuinely changed. And so I started praying about that area. And as I'm kind of developing and seeing it in that area, it was like, you know, maybe that's in, maybe that's why this area is, is affected too. Yeah. Like pride over here. And, and,
0: you're kind of kind of noticing a uh, yeah like a pattern a pattern here.
1: <laughs> and so it was a few months of that um, this area, that area, this area, where I realized pride is in every single area of my life. in every nook and cranny, every crack and crevice, it is infected everything. Like like with my children, with my in my marriage, with my pastor, with my church, uh, with God, like every area, it's in everything. In my in my finances, in my fruitfulness, it's it's just this disease. And what is very scary to me is that I didn't think I was prideful, mm. and it had it was in every single thing of my life, but I didn't know it was there at all. And one of the one of the tipping points of where I started s- seeing it was in the book Mere Christianity. Uh, C.S. Lewis writes yeah. about pride. About if you want to know how much you have in yourself, look at how much you despise it in other people. Oh wow! Because I desp like when I saw pride, pr- proud or self righteous people, it just like I was like like had a visceral reaction to them. Yeah. Like I just despised seeing it, and that statement was like gosh if that's true then then there might be a real problem here yeah and there was yeah and thank god for mercy um thank god for for god's mercy pastoral mercy uh just the grace that they give us to work out character issues over time
0: yeah you know it it seems like god almost uh Brings men to that point, you know the anger praying. Yeah, if we look at biblical examples of that, you've got Job, angry praying almost. Yeah, and God saying, "Listen, Job, you don't know nothing.
1: Mm -mm.
0: Get used to it. Mm -hmm. You know, and you're not gonna know nothing. Yeah, just be cool with that. Yeah, you know, and uh, or or like Jacob wrestling with God and saying, "I won't let go until you bless me." Mm. That was almost like an anger prayer, you know, in a Uh, way wrestling with god but then he named him israel which is wrestling with god right i just i think it's interesting that god god responds to that mm-hmm. you know desperation of like god what the heck is going on here i need to know and then he's like yeah it's because you're a pride filled sucker
1: yeah the, i think that's where training comes in that's yeah. where discipleship came in yeah because it was in spite of the the exuberant levels of pride that i had which is just to me now, it, it would be humorous if it wasn't so so sad. Like there was nothing to be proud of. Like, of, like my life had nothing of success. Mm. Like no one's following me. Like no <laughs> one's, you know, there's not like I'm independently wealthy. Not like I've got these great things I've done. Sure. With absolutely nothing to be proud of. I was so full of pride.
0: Yeah. Well, how many of the most impressive people that you know? Like, you know, just not even speaking about Christians, but them as well, but impressive people that they're just like, yeah, you know, and they're humble about it? Yeah. It's like, man, that guy is amazing.
1: Yeah, I think again, C.S. Lewis says in that that book, essentially it's if you if you actually do do meet a humble person, you won't walk away thinking they're humble. You'll walk away thinking, oh, I was a nice fellow, made me feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. That's like, because you don't really notice the humble person because they, their interest is you. Yeah. And so if you, when you walk away, you don't think, wow, what a great person, because that's not what their aim is. They're about you.
0: But in a sense, in reflecting on that person. Yeah. Saying, yeah, I think like so. Like the people I admire the most, are the most humble people that I've ever met. Just like, man, that guy, he just, he just gets down and does his job. Mm-hmm. He doesn't complain about it. He's got a good heart. Yeah. About everything. You know what I mean? Those are the people that you look up and and it, you might not walk away from them going, man, that guy is so humble, isn't yeah, he? Yeah. Right. But you walk away from them and just go like, dang, that guy, he's just, just got something else. He's one got of, got lot quotes, of joy, One of the quotes that you know?
1: Pastor Foley used in a sermon that really helped me was to learn humility. Or at least by definition, if not by application, um, was uh, humility is not thinking less of yourself; it's thinking of yourself less. Yeah, yeah. And that was really That's when I line. developed, like that in my head. When that developed, as the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is pride, mm. because pride is all about I'm first. Yeah. Whatever I want, it's it's like this selfishness. Yeah, just me. Selfishness. I'm first. My desires, my preference, my pref- even my small, little, tiny preferences gotta be first, it's yeah. first. And love is all about like, what do you need? Yeah. Another person first wow. before what I need. So it's like love and pride, it's not love and hate. It's yeah. love and pride, those are the opposites to me.
0: I feel like uh, if, if you were to kind of take the concept of hate and think about it for a little bit, it would actually kind of be necessary in order for love to exist. Right. In order for you to love something, you have to hate the bad of that thing. Right. If you love someone, you have to hate the thought of anything bad happening to them. Right. In a way, so love and hate kind of have to be. They're kind of codependent. Would Would you agree? Or is that sure? You know, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to cut myself out here. I'm not
1: exactly <laughs> sure what you're talking about, but I'm oh, sorry, David.
0: All right, whatever.
1: So it really yeah. is something that I've had to. That I've had to work on, though, just something that's been
0: yeah. Well, you know, I don't, I don't think you
1: really a major issue.
0: I, if you were alone on that, you know, if everybody was quite as humble as I am, mm. then uh, no one would ever deal with pride. Uh-huh. Uh, let me tell you, if everyone was as humble as me, then uh, we'd all be dealing with pride.
1: Huh? Uh-huh. Okay. So anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, your testimony. Um, we uh, we kind of jumped around there a little bit, but I think uh, I think it'll flow. Just tell me your testimony. How you got saved? Give me the long version.
1: The long version.
0: Yep. I mean, you know, within reason. <laughs> well, it
1: yeah. was. Yeah. So when I was an embryo. It
0: was an, I was an embryo.
1: Okay. Okay. Um. Oh, where to start now? Um,
0: just, just. Kind of start where you did. Uh, you were you were telling me I started the first one. You were telling me about kind of where where your dad started out in ministry and how you ended up in Prescott and you just you okay felt, yeah right felt like you were home right
1: right oh that's right okay remember? yeah yeah so obviously my salvation starts with my father getting saved 1979 he got saved um. When he got saved in 79, he was in Prescott. Nope, never mind. He was nope. in Sparta.
0: Yeah, Sparta, Illinois.
1: Okay. When he got saved, 1979. So in Chester, Illinois, which is now this famous place because my fathers preach all over the world and everyone knows Chester. So he was living in Chester. He got saved in Sparta, which is right there next to it. 1979. He was dealing, doing drugs. They were, you know, living a crazy life in the 70s. He got saved. Harry Hills was actually his first pastor. He got saved under. Um, He went out to pastor for the first time. I I think it was probably the early 80s. Pioneered, I think, once or maybe twice. And then he went to Kansas City, Missouri, which is where I was born. I was born in Joplin, Missouri. Um, From there, I think right after, he went to pioneer another church in Louisville, Kentucky. And it was in Louisville that... Our family kind of broke up. There was you know, things that happened, so he went back to Sparta for redirection. And throughout the 80s, um, you know, so I was born in '85. Uh, he was in in the Sparta church. There uh, met my mom. They got married. I have no memory of anything except for he's my father. She Cindy's my mom. Dennis my father. Cindy's my mom. Um, but my whole life that's what it's been and so uh, we were living in Steelville, Illinois, which is right there by Sparta going to the church and I don't know exactly what compelled my dad to to have such a passion for evangel being an evangelist. I wish I could ask him that that would be an interesting story I'm yeah. sure but uh, in 1992. Uh, he became an, an evangelist. He had to move to Carbondale because that's the leadership church there. So he left Sparta. He did that for a year out of Carbondale just to kind of, I guess, test the waters, see how it was going to go. It went very well. He never missed a week in bookings. It was He had a full calendar. So in 93, we moved to Prescott. Um, that July conference, he was announced an evangelist. We came here. 1993, I was eight years old. And our first... Uh, Saturday night, we moved into a little trailer in Chino Valley. Lou and Nancy Logie helped us unload the truck. I go in Sunday morning. It's a massive church. I mean, this is the biggest church I've ever been in. And then that Sunday night, we go to Children's Church. And in that Children's Church, um, I sit next to Binda Bloy. And the sense I had in, in just sitting there was this sense of home? That this is where, this is where I belong, and I didn't realize it. And obviously, looking back now, and and you know, talking to my parents and through through the years, I didn't realize how much turmoil or unsettledness there was inside of me. And I was very young, like anything that happened, I was pretty much unaware of it. But still, there was these, there was like this spiritual thing inside, you yeah. know, like these. These things happening that I was unaware of, but when I got to Prescott and I sat in that children's church next to Ben and it was like this is it. I this is this is home. Like this is where I am comfortable. That I belong. And so I grew up. You know, grew up here. Um, that was ninety three. Um. In ninety eight, uh, or ninety seven, I was twelve years old. I was sitting on a trampoline with Brandon Franklin. It was the day before I turned thirteen, so it'd be July 12, nineteen ninety-eight. Sitting there on his trampoline, talking about what we're gonna do in life, and I have no idea what we were talking. Probably, you know, Brandon probably wanted to be in the in, be in the NBA or something, and and uh, I probably said astronaut or whatever. But then I said, "You didn't say
0: you wanted to be in the NBA."
1: Me, no. That was, that was probably a, too distant of a dream at <laughs> twelve. Um, but I said the words, I'm gonna be a preacher. Wow! And when I said it, it was nothing you know, that beyond this confirmation, just that I felt in myself, that's what I'm gonna do. And, and I remember him going, oh, that would be cool. And I said, no, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be a preacher. Yeah. And so I went home, uh, spent the night there, went home, I think probably the next day, it's probably my birthday. And I told my dad, I'm gonna be a preacher. I feel like God wants me to be a preacher. And I don't know why he did this, but he had me call some people. Like that day, I called Chris Olson, who is uh, soon to become my brother-in-law, who's going to marry my sister. I called him. I called my grandma. I told my mom. Um, it just said, I'm going to be a preacher. Like this is what I'm going to do. Wow! And the wisdom of of him having me do that and call people, like confirming it, was so profound, and I wish I knew if he did that on purpose or not. Because it changed me. It was like set me in stone. This wow. is what I'm going to do.
0: What made him? That's that's so. I know. I I what what wish I knew. To do that.
1: There are these questions I have. I wish would I you, could ask them.
0: I, Let me ask you. Would you do that with your boys if if they said that to you?
1: Yes. Yeah. Only out of if only out of principle. Like yeah. Because it did so much for me.
0: Maybe that's what, and maybe and that's so, what it was. Maybe that's why he did it.
1: You yeah, know, like I principle. don't know. Maybe he saw something in me that was like kind of uh flaky back or, and forth yeah. and and so he he thought cuz like my sons have spoken things um I didn't I don't I didn't feel like the need to confirm that with people. True. But it was just because I don't see them as like flaky or wishy-washy, yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. they're pretty secure they're boys. Yeah. Um so anyway i did that and and just right on like uh, next christmas i want to i want to strongs i want to start you know studying and so yeah that was 12 13 and throughout year my 13 year old year that was like i was all in on i want to be would you get saved tie. let me ask you that yeah so so this is this is the unfortunate event so i turned 14. Uh-huh. um i got into high school in chino valley high school so that would have been, you know, we start August, September. And I started, I got this friend who was my age, and he had an older brother who was a senior. And to me, these were cool people. And they honestly, by the world standard, they were good people. Yeah. Like just good people, you know. They weren't like drug addicts or sure. the bums of the school. They weren't dropouts. They were they were like good, clean, nice, probably Mormon people. You know, like just <laughs> yeah. good people. yeah but the, he when i got connected with him um this like a spirit got on me of i want to i want to impress these people in life yeah I had some and friends like that he actually the senior actually renamed me um he asked me he goes what's your name i said micah and he goes what's your middle name i said james he goes james jim you know we'll call you jim and so in high school, everyone, that was my name in high school, Jim. Wow. And he literally renamed me. That in high school, like, I was Jim. It was, it's, listen, it's like this demonic thing that I didn't even realize was happening. Wow. But I, I became someone else at school entirely. Wow. And that didn't take long. And what's shocking is how fast it happened is I immediately stopped wearing ties to church. Before long, it was, like, jeans and a T-shirt, and then I'm wearing sandals. And I, I'm my parents like we're like what is happening to <laughs> yeah. our son you know and and i remember like a couple people in church asking what's going on you know but i was completely blinded by it yeah and i just thought this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna i'm gonna be with these friends so uh somewhere around the very end i think it would have been september twenty-sixth or so i'd only been in school for uh, high school for a month or two and i decided i'm gonna run away and i don't want to be in church wow. i don't want to be with my parents. I had gone song. from I'm going to preach the gospel and go all in to I am leaving everything. And, and so I'd worked up and down my street doing um, yard work and stuff. And, let, me, and, let me stop you for a yeah. second
0: because I want to ask you, reflecting on it, yeah. how did you go from tie wearing like hardcore, you're yeah. 13-year-old, you're, would you say you were saved during that time? Had you gotten saved?
1: I I definitely prayed. You were yeah. you were saved. Yes. Were
0: you, okay. So you're saved, and then suddenly you're just like, I'm, forget that. I'm gonna run away from home. What, what steps are there in the middle there? Because it seems like, that's not that's not instantaneous. That's not overnight. Yeah. Was it just because you felt it was, like you were being, you were living a double life, and you just wanted to you wanted to embrace the the sin or what, what do you think was, it was definitely what was, what was demonic
1: from? i was, was i demonic. had opened the door to a, a demon spirit that had that i had completely given up control to wow. like i had no desire to try to stop the way i was going like when friends would come talk to me it would be like pretty much in my mind i may not have said it but pretty much it was like i i really don't care if you're bothered that i don't wear a tie I was so rebellious yeah. in that moment, and it literally happened in a month or two. Wow. Like, that's how demonic it was, and I look back now, and I can see that, but but I didn't see it at the time, and so yeah. when I decided to run away, it was just the the natural next step of, I'm, I'm going to be rebellious. I have no desire to be a Christian whatsoever, so I'm going to leave. And, so something got on you from those yeah, two guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There was a spirit that got on me. Yeah. And so I'd I was working, so I had saved up that money. You know, it wasn't much, a couple hundred dollars maybe. So I took that money, I took a roll of toilet paper, um, I took a <laughs> couple of cans of soup.
0: The bare necessities, huh? And I was
1: like, I threw it in my backpack. And on a Friday night, there was a dance at the high school, uh-huh. and I was like, I'm gonna go to this dance, and I'm gonna hook up with this my my the, my friend there. I'm gonna stay at his house, and we're going to just. Like, I'm just going to leave. And I wrote this note on that Friday night. I wrote a note to my parents. Um, they didn't know this guy. They didn't know this friend that I had. Yeah. And actually, the only way I was able to keep in contact with him, because no cell phones or anything, uh, I would secretly call him on the phone. But to his number is I wrote down the last four digits of his number and then memorized the first three. Because uh-huh. I knew if my parents found a phone number, they'd call it and investigate. Right. Who is this, you know, why is this secret number here with no name? Right. So I just did that, just the first, the last four. And I had that in my room, little, I mean, the piece of paper as big as, like, smaller than my thumb. <laughs> and and so that was wow. just in the room. And so that's how I'd keep in contact with this guy. And so I call him, okay, I'm going to come and stay at your house, or I'm going to run away. So I run away that night, Friday night, run away, go to the dance. It was miserable. Like, I had no idea I'm a church kid at a dance. It was yeah. so stupid. Yeah. I, I was lost. But yeah, uh, I go to his house. And I left the note for my parents saying, uh, don't look for me. Don't call the police. I'm gone. Thinking that would yeah, like just that'll put, work. keep them at bay. <laughs> like they'll just give me time, you know, to figure life out. <laughs> and so anyway, I, I go to his house. I'm sleeping. We're kind of in a basement, split level basement area. I'm sleeping downstairs. And real early in the morning, his mom opens the door and she starts coming down the stairs. So I jump up, I jump in the closet. Because she doesn't know. Even the mom doesn't know. Right. there. So I'm hiding in the closet. She comes down. She's got the phone in her hand, and she asks her her son. She goes, "Do you know a Micah Wright?" And I'm thinking, "What on earth?" Like I'm trying to figure out, you know, what's going on.
0: Yeah.
1: And he's like, oh, "I don't know." And she goes, "There's a man. There's a Dennis Wright on the phone that um, says his son's here." And so he's lying for me. He totally covers. No, there's no Micah here, you know. So she, I hear her back on the phone. Uh, Dennis, I'm sorry. This is like 6 a.m. on Saturday. I'm sorry. There's no Micah here, yada, yada, yada. She goes upstairs, so we're clear. So I go. I lay back down. We go. I go back to sleep. Like, wow. I don't know how much longer later, maybe 30 minutes. You didn't even minutes. think,
0: how did he know to call this house? Yeah,
1: exactly. So, I, so she, I don't know, however long later. She comes down again. So I jump in the closet again. And she's talking to her son, and she's like, listen, there's a man, Dennis right on the phone. He swears his son is here. Wow. And I'm standing in the closet. I'm not kidding you. I'm standing in the closet hiding. And all I could think is, stinking God told my dad where <laughs> I am. Like, I knew it. I knew God had told wow. my dad.
0: So is that I, what, is that what happened? yeah,
1: and so sure enough, oh I come out of the gosh. closet. And I'm like, all right, here I am, and she's like, whoa, he is here. Like she was shocked. Yeah, she gets on the phone. Wow. Yes, he's here. So, so you know, put her on the, put him on the phone. So I get on the phone. Hello, my dad, Micah, where are you at? Say it in his oh, voice. Say I don't know his <laughs> voice. <laughs> much. It was very. It was probably so filled <laughs> with anger and just like disappointment. <laughs> And so he says, "Okay." okay. I tell him where I am. He comes and picks me up. Yeah. He takes me home. Um, My mom was very upset. My parents were so so. So God
0: gave him the phone number to call.
1: Yeah. So that's what happened. He. he, So I find out later when when he woke up that morning, he's going to leave. He's actually flying to Amarillo, Texas, Uh for a revival that Saturday morning. And I was gonna run away Saturday night because he would have been gone. It would have been much easier, much yeah. easier because you know it's my mom and and uh, I, she's like she would definitely discipline, no doubt. Right. But I don't know why. It was just like I think it'd be like, like taking advantage of the of them.
0: Yeah.
1: Like more if they were separated. Like that. I, like that was pretty twisted. Right. That's yeah, what yeah. my plan was. But the dance got me out on Friday, which God totally set up. Because what happened is my dad wakes up. That morning, he opens the door, just kind of say goodbye. You know, it's early morning, and he sees I'm gone. He sees my note, you know, probably chuckled at how <laughs> how dumb this all is. Anyway, he's sitting on my bed, and he's praying. Yeah. And he said, it's like God shined a spotlight on that little piece of paper. The little piece of paper. Yeah. Wow. And, and literally, he dials the first three and then the last four that were on the paper. And it's Wait, this house. How did he
0: come up with the first three? Yeah. I don't, you know what? God, God told him. In, God put it in there. Wow. That's the
1: problem of having a, a father who moves in the gifts, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> life is oh not fair. Oh, my gosh. So that's what happened. Nothing. So he called. And that's why he called back, because he was sure, like, God spoke to him. Like, wow. this is where your son is.
0: Wow. And
1: thank God, you know? Thank God. Anyway, so um, he brings me back home. They're. They're both upset, obviously. I'm standing in my dad's office, and this is this was the level of blindness I was at, is I said, I'm, I'm saying to them, I'm 14. Mm-hmm. I'm saying to them, literally, I don't know why you don't get it. I don't want to be saved. I don't want to go to church. If I live in this house, I got to go to church. So I'm not living here. Wow. Like, I was so bold and like... Yeah, yeah. Like, rebel. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I didn't care at all. And they... um. They didn't kill me, which is a great miracle because <laughs> I would have a hard time like just like that yeah. level of disrespect. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if I could <laughs> handle that. Thank God I was the fourth one because they had learned maybe like, they, like, okay, he's just an idiot right now. He'll work it out. He'll work it out. And they, they were gracious with me. Wow. Um, so anyway, my dad, no, not trusting me for obvious reasons now, he took my money that I had saved up, bought me a same-day ticket to fly with him to Amarillo, Texas. Because he was not going to miss a revival. Because he yeah, never yeah. missed revival. Wow. Um, so I went with him, and I was still completely rebellious. He made me wear a tie. He made <laughs> me sit on the front row. Yes. And so Sunday morning, this was September 28th of '99. I'm sitting there. He's I'm on the front row. He preaches. I'm wearing a tie. It's awful. I'm so angry and miserable. And so he finishes the service. He's standing on the pla- He's standing kind of on the steps, waiting for uh, Pastor Savedra to finish. And I'm standing in front of him with no intention of anything like spiritual. And my dad asked me, are you ready to serve Jesus? Like, are you ready to give your life to God? And for some reason, I said yes. Wow. And I don't know, like, I honestly, it was like God, like, mercifully, like, broke through this demonic... Yeah. thing that I had opened the door to and wow. just and I was like yes and so he goes let's pray so he takes my hand he's on the stage I'm facing the steps and he prays for me and we pray the sinner's prayer and in Jesus name amen and immediately he goes did you did you see that he goes something just flew off of you literally that spirit as soon wow. as I prayed wow. he watched that thing fly off and I was I'm telling you I was different Wow. Like, I, I began to see, like, what I was doing, and like, I was ashamed. Wow. Like, I was ashamed of what I had done the last wow. few months. So we would go back to the motel room. I'm, I call my mom. I apologize. You know, I'm just kind of like, I'm really, you know, really feeling, like, the yeah. weight of it, what yeah. I had done. And and I'm talking about, you know, right away, I was like, I can't go back to high school. Like, I was scared of what had happened so quickly. And I, was, I said, I think I want to homeschool. And I'm sure they were already thinking that,
0: you know, like, yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: But it was like, yep, okay, good. We're going to homeschool you. Yeah. And so that was all it. And, and so just on the phone, just kind of, you know, briefly reconciled things with them and, uh, I, you know, apologized the best I, I knew how at 14. And uh, and and then Sunday afternoon, my dad took me to the uh, motel bedroom uh, there where we were staying and he spanked my butt <laughs> for <laughs> for my foolishness which i deserved and i was like hey i thought i prayed you know (laughs) i'm saved but consequences are consequences so he spanked my butt anyway so we went went through that revival i don't remember anything really um from from that but it just like i'm saved like i'm i'm and all the the calling of everything that i'd felt when i was 13 yeah it was like i want that that's what i want in life and that's where that's where it became confirmed like i'm a christian yeah and i'm gonna preach the gospel someday and so through my teenage years, um, that's, what I, that's what I aimed for. Um, it was probably not, I don't know the exact timing, but uh, Megan and I started talking in that year after I had gotten saved. Wow. Um, very, just very distant friendship. Yeah. Um, the first time, so she was 13, I was 14. Okay. The first time we kind of like saw each other and was like, oh, I, like I like this person, you know? Yeah. We were so young. Yeah. And so we knew, obviously, just because of church and the culture of the church. We we're not dating, obviously. Sure. But we we're friends. Like we were friends. Yeah. And so we, we were friends for our entire teenage years. Um, throughout until I was 18. And so the, the, the plan was. We talked and talked and talked, and we would just find each other after church and just hang out. We wouldn't sit with each other. Sure. We didn't like act like we were married. Like it was nothing. It was just, this is, this really is a person that I enjoy being around. Right. And so we would just talk always in public and everything. Yeah. Just friends. So when I was 18, we were going to officially start dating. And, uh, you know, when I was 18, then she threw a surprise birthday party for me. Mm hmm and i broke with broke up with her on that day.
0: Oh. And
1: I and I'm I'm really ashamed of all of this.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Like Why? it really was.
0: What happened? <sighs> you hate surprises so much.
1: <laughs> no, actually I broke up with like, her before the surprise I knew the surprise oh. party. So. <laughs> oh.
0: oh. oh. <laughs>
1: if she oh. was here right now, I would I would apologize to her again. <laughs> Because every time ahead, I tell this I'm gonna story. I'm going to go
0: ahead and apologize on your behalf. Yeah.
1: it's It was so heartless.
0: Oh, my god!
1: Because she really was like. So so, how long had you been
0: actually dating
1: for? We'd never dated. Oh. We were just friends until I was 18. This was going to be the official first date. And that was the day I broke up with her. Like we were going to officially wow. start. So I had held Brutal. this. Brutal. I had held this girl's heart since yeah. she was 13. Yeah. Geez. And we, we liked each other. And this was like our whole teenage years what we were gonna why'd do. you do that? I wish I had a good answer. Um I don't know. Just I don't know. I was just selfish. Yeah. Um there was no like marking thing like that was the reason. We wow. just and and the truth is looking back on it it was for the better that we broke up. It just was the worst possible way to do it. Oh, okay. Right, because what happened was we did break up, and because I had done it in such a v- like violent and horrible way, we didn't talk for like we didn't even make eye contact. Did till. she
0: still? Did she still go forward with the surprise birthday party for you? No, she she left. She left. Well, but she everybody didn't even else...
1: attend it. Everyone else went because nobody knew. Because yeah. it's been Micah and Megan, but it for was her. Five years, it was her you know? plan.
0: She she, she put, put it together. all together. Yeah. Oh my
1: yeah and uh there was another guy who kind of had the same birthday time and so it was both of us both of of us had a birthday party and so um uh we broke up and if i if i my my dates are correct we were broken up for about a year and maybe four months i think maybe three months two months over a year and in that year we went to the same church, obviously. We yeah. had the same group of friends. We would go out to like Applebee's. There'd be a few of us sitting there. We'd be sitting at the same table. I never made eye contact with her wow. in over a year. Wow. Like there'd be eight of us and we would I would never look at her. Jeez. And a lot of that was just shame, you know? Like like not, not good shame. Like I was just like, I wasn't mad at her. I'm sure she was upset with me because I had hurt her so bad. Yeah. But it was just like I was embarrassed you know like the, yeah. I, I I was just such a I was so selfish and I don't know why I did that but I did so anyway that's what happened but anyway so Jonathan was my best friend at the time and and Rachel and her were best friends and so we we would they were married but we were uh, like wouldn't even talk to like look at each other. And <laughs> so, so they like started cool. working on us. You know, the matchmakers started working <laughs> yeah, on yeah. us. And so Rachel would say things like, Well, you know, he well, he was a really he was really sweet to you. Like, you know, forget that one thing he did by breaking up and <laughs> that one day. But, you know, like he was like nice to you and all this. And so Jonathan never like he he played it like a like a very wise, like smooth man. He never (laughs) brought it up until the moment it was necessary. And so she was working on Megan, kind of like trying to ease her back into maybe he's a guy you would date. Right. Um, Because she did. She dated another guy for for a short time. Um, You know, he didn't. I think she asked him at one time, Would you do the will of God? Like in the dating question time, you know, like, Would you do the right. will of God? Whatever God and he was yeah. kinda like, Well, I don't know, I don't really and so she was like this,
0: you know, yeah, yeah, I don't want to no, date this guy. Bye.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we came it came down to about a year over a year later, and Jonathan came to me and he said, You need to just humble your pride and go ask Megan out. Wow. And I I'm telling you, I had not even like thought about that. But but when he said it, I was like, gosh, I really, I did like her. Like, I really, I, we love being around each other. Like, we were best friends. Mm-hmm. And so um, I did. And, and uh, it was very awkward. I just kind of went up to her, and I don't remember everything I said, but it was basically, um, you know, I, let's talk basically that Like, yeah. let's talk and so we started talking and i felt so like instantly comfortable like this is yeah. my friend like i really yeah. like her yeah like we are like we can just talk to each other i right. love talking to this girl yeah and so it was very quickly that her and i kind of healed things up um there was some family that didn't heal as quickly, understandably, <laughs> you know. Like I had just really hurt her, yeah. like very badly, yeah, yeah. And and so that 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 took some more time. Sure. Um. But we uh, we we very quickly. That was October of uh, 2004 that we got back together talking, and May of 2005 we we got married. Wow. So it was, a, but we didn't really need. You know, we knew we had talked for yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't need a long engagement know. or anything. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's when we got married. I think
0: I think that's kind of true about our our the way we do courtship in our fellowship and our church. Yeah, it's just like you know you know pretty much right
1: away. Especially yeah. for church kids. Church
0: kids especially. Yes.
1: There's not a t- there's not like this
0: what, big what, baggage yeah. that you have to work out. Exactly. Right. It's just like, you know, either we're doing this or we're not. And we're not going to we're not going to drag this out and make yeah. ourselves miserable forever. We are either going to get married or we're going to move on. Yeah. You know. So
1: for us, we had we we had lived pure. Yeah. We lived clean. Uh, we we never we were never alone. The, the first time we were alone in a car together is when we drove away on our wedding day. Wow. Like we just didn't do it. Yeah. We'd never kissed. Our first kiss was in front of Pastor Mitchell at the altar. Wow. And it it was very awkward and very strange. Like, like I didn't know how to kiss, like, (laughs) like just kind of like grab her face and like move it towards mine. Like, I, I don't know what to do, but I w I wouldn't change it for the world. You know, like it was, it, we got married pure. We didn't carry things into our marriage and all like the standards we lived, um, while there were decisions we had to make about, no, we're going to hold purity and we're going to keep these things. That had all come from people we looked at mm-hmm. and said, they have successful marriages. They're in ministry. What did they do? Right. And then we just kind of asked them a few simple questions and then that's what we did. Yeah. And by just replicating what we saw other people do yeah. that were successful, that's what we want to be. So that's what we're going to do. Right. And it, we got married with no baggage Awesome. Like we had, we brought nothing in to that marriage. She's the, she is the only girl I've ever dated. Nice. Like, it's awesome. just fantastic.
0: Yeah. We got married at nineteen,
1: and I wouldn't change it's almost like it. Almost
0: like you married your high school sweetheart. In a I way, even if you actually, I married really my children's church your sweetheart. Chums, there you go. Your Sunday school sweetheart. Yeah, let's call it. Because like we
1: became aware of each other when she was thirteen, I was fourteen. Yeah, but she remembers me in children's church, oh, wow. getting in trouble. And talking my way out of it
0: and talking your life. yeah like it was
1: she goes she because Megan's very much like a rule of... follower she's like yeah the rules are the rules are the rules in fact the, I think the only fight she ever got in in school was a kid was breaking too many rules and she turned like I had enough of that. yeah and she was like I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna fix this kid because she's like oh the rules are the rules yeah so um you know when I was being a little cut up in the children's church that's why she noticed me because, like, he's breaking the rules. And I talked my way out of getting sent to my parents. How did you do to that? Susan Wol- Wol- I want to know I this. don't know. Susan Wolwin, you know, because she was the one. She was very scary. Yeah. Um, we, we were we were afraid of her, all the uh-huh. kids. you know, I was like, she's the one. Yeah. And uh, she yelled at me, kicked me out. And somehow I talked my way into staying.
0: Man, I really wish I could have been a fly on the wall for that one.
1: Yeah. And anyway, and Megan <laughs> was, like, mad about it. Like she tells the story of this day, like she was like, "I was mad." I wish at she was you. here to tell the story. Yeah. She probably knows the details. Yeah, she probably knows I had, what you said. Because like I'd broken the rules and got away with it. Yeah, she was so angry about it. That's so anyway. Yeah. yeah, 2005, we got married, um, and then when did I,
0: you you were on staff when we switched to the 180, right from the underground? Yeah,
1: yeah. So I had you know, and what so this year was goes that? back. This goes back to my pride. Okay. I thought I should have been sent out really fast. Yeah. Cuz I was like, well, obviously, I am super ready. Top tier. Yeah. 18 years old. I'm
0: ready to go, baby. Yeah, Let's do it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and and so the the weird thing about Pride is everybody has their their spot in yeah. your mind. So in my mind, everybody had these spots. So there yep. was there were people I I admitted, okay, you're in front of me. Yeah. But then the moment someone from behind you From behind in, me got put on staff, like, it was like Okay, they. I you know. I was angry about it, but I was angry at them, the person that got put on staff. Yeah. You know, yeah. oddly enough, because I wasn't mad at Pastor Mitchell, or Pastor Greg, because like they're the ones who made the choice. Like, yeah. but it was like no, them. They have apparently deceived Pastor Greg. <laughs> it's obvious that they have made uh, themselves look better than me.
0: Yeah. And
1: and so so you know the the horse race every yeah, conference yeah. would start and and. I, you know, it's not like I didn't love ministry. I served and I love working. I love working. To this day, I love working in ministry. It's, yeah. It is the thing that brings me so much joy. But when what happened was we kind of would go through that race. We went through several conferences with that. And then, uh, so we we're married. We had Trevor, my oldest. And it was coming time, uh, probably around November, where... You know, you, the horse race starts. You can hear the the thunder of the hooves. And so right. all the disciples, we start showing up on time to prayer. And we start really being serious yeah. and praying loud. And, you know, just making sure we're getting ready for conference is yeah. coming. Yeah. Which, you know, now that we know, the choices probably aren't even made. <laughs> like, it's not decided <laughs> yeah. at conference usually. Yeah. Anyway, we didn't know that. And so as we were seeing that, I, I, I remember Megan and I sitting down and we had a conversation about, let's not do this. Yeah, Let's. And and the the conclusion we came to in that conversation was if I stay here five years, five more years, and just serve on the sound team and just I you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna serve the Prescott Church. Yeah. We're gonna whatever Pastor Greg needs us to do, we're just gonna serve as best we can. Sure. We decided that. And so it kind of relieved all the pressure off of January conference right January conference came and went the guy stayed on staff and we like everything's fine like we we had kind of settled what we were gonna do Mm -mm. and then the beginning of February um there was a this odd change in at, at an odd time um where the the guy on staff uh stepped back and then we were asked to come on staff wow and it was like two months you know earlier that we had made that decision we'll stay here five years yeah and it was like that was the door where once we decided to serve with the right heart,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not for a position, um, that's where God opened the door and for
0: And then us. you were the door director for f- the next five years. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. We served for five it years. It felt like five years maybe. But. Uh,
1: so then we were on staff for 11 months. That was 2008 yeah. to 2009. And then in 2009
0: so, – So let me ask you this because uh, you would have been the first concert director in the 180. Mm-hmm. What was that transition like from going from the underground to the 180? Was that uh, – Kind of a kind of a tough well, one I don't know
1: if this is supposed to be disclosed okay I'll, but one uh the I'll underground a asterisk right here it kind of the underground situation um became where that we were trying to get out of there and I don't know the details of this but I got a phone call that uh, was okay late night one one of these like tonight take the church vans to the back of the underground load up all of the equipment as fast and as quietly as you can into the vans and get out of there Wow! and the reason was is because the the i think the person who owned it was trying to make the play that everything installed belonged to them oh, which was wow. like every speaker that's hung every light like everything
0: oh geez. they were kind of like yeah, trying yeah. to play
1: that and so it was like just take it all out
0: yeah
1: and so that was uh we did that <laughs> like we should yeah. rolled up
0: like quietly in the middle
1: quietly, of the night and like, together. okay, you know, it was just super like, like,
0: that's kind of like, probably kind of fun. Huh?
1: Yeah. It was kind of fun because we were acting like a bunch of idiots. <laughs> yeah. Like we had no yes. idea had that it was serious, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but we did, we cleared yeah, it all yeah. out like as fast yeah, yeah. and quietly as we could. And we got out of there and then it was into 180. the, the, the 422, right? 422 West yep. yep. Gurley. Okay. So, so that's where we went. Um, and Pastor Greg's a workhorse. Like, he, he's unbelievable. So we were fasting. Uh, I remember Richie Merck and I, I was on staff. We're fasting and, like, dying. And Pastor Greg was, we're, he was working to get 180 ready yeah. by the conference, or by the Saturday before conference. Oh, wow. And he was in there. We're we are all fasting. And I'm i am like, you know, he's gonna, like, be gracious, and like, go easy on us. And he... He didn't have to, like, push us. He worked so much. <laughs>
0: yes. Like,
1: it was to, how, to our yeah. shame. Yeah,
0: yeah. When when uh, when we did the carpet, when they were doing all the remodeling for the building here. Yeah, yeah. You're doing the carpet. He's there. He's out there. He's working, man. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I'm embarrassed. Like,
1: sh- like- <laughs> Don't you have a sermon to write so we can, like, be <laughs> we lazy? We can be lazy and goof <laughs> off. <laughs> and, I want this to be a goof. He was goof nonstop because it yeah. was getting ready and and now I understand like the you know for the, all the pastors coming in to see 180 and yeah, the investment yeah, of it and the sure. example and all this stuff so I was I get it now but man we were it was like like a lot of work yeah Um, and I enjoyed the work when I wasn't fasting yeah yeah but fasting really when was brutal
0: when exactly was this what year was this you were 2005 yeah it would have been 2008 oh 2008 yeah okay okay
1: that's I was on 2005 staff.
0: Two thousand five is when you got married. Yeah. Two thousand eight you went on staff. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Sorry. So that
1: would have been July of two thousand eight. I see. That so we got into one eighty.
0: You so you got in how many weeks before conference? How long before? The
1: Saturday before conference was kidding? our grand opening in, in one eighty.
0: But but how long how quick before you got in there? Were you uh,
1: Oh, between before? underground and one eighty? Yeah,
0: yeah. How quick was that transition?
1: <sighs> Gosh, I don't It seems to me, um it was not very long because Pastor Greg had said, just in the meantime, find e- a place to do an event every week, every Saturday night. And so we went around to different places in Prescott Valley, um, like an abandoned building, yeah. parking lot. And I just kind of scoped out a few places that we could do do a concert, sure. an event, a movie, anything. Right. And so that's what we did. I, yeah. I think maybe a month. Okay. Maybe a little Jeez. longer, month or two, where we were just in between. Cranked it out. Yeah, but okay. that was getting 180 ready. I don't remember how long we had owned 180 building, where preliminary work I had see. been going on. But yeah. but anyway, once you know, once it all starts happening, all the sound and all that stuff, it, yeah. it's just a ton of work. Yeah. But it was it was worth it. You know, it all went great. Yeah, at so, Pastor Pastor Greg's direction,
0: of course. Like he
1: made it happen, sure. Like willed it into existence.
0: So then, so then uh, you get into the new concert venue. What kind of what kind of atmosphere was there? with the disciples and you know, were you seeing a lot of people get saved back then? I mean, what yeah. what was what was the what was the situation as far as like the church?
1: Gosh, I don't remember a ton. I was so I was on staff only for six months in that building. Um, it obviously had a, an initial just thrust because people were, were excited mm-hmm. about a new building. I do remember Pastor Greg uh, uh, preaching to the disciples a lot how important it was to bring people yeah. because we were moving off of that main, the main downtown area right. and that we weren't going to be able to rely on walk-ins almost like at sure. all. And sure. so, the emphasizing the importance of we have to work. We've got to bring people. Yeah. And I, I think all that. I, I rode probably six months of that, where, where it was successful. Yeah. Um. You know, I don't remember the details, but I don't remember any kind of major, like, you know, bad things happening sure. or struggling or anything. Yeah. People were really. Excited and motivated yeah. with the new building, the new 180, and all that. Right
0: on. And then, um, so you go, you go out and uh, pioneer. Right after that, you kind of were touching on this a little bit. But where did you, where did you pioneer first? Yeah. So in in
1: 2009, January 2009, we got sent to um, West Jordan, Utah, which is up. Uh, it had never been on my radar. Utah. I never even thought about going there one time ever in my entire life. Mm-hmm. But about September, uh, before we got sent out, Pastor Greg mentioned, he said, Pastor Mitchell's interested in, in Salt Lake area. Why don't you fly up there and just look around? Yeah. And I went up there, just went with Pastor uh, Martinez in Ogden. Yeah. Got with him. I, I, I had no direction from God whatsoever of what God wanted us to do. Mm-hmm. I had never thought of that and, or of Utah. So I had, you know, he drove us around, Pastor, Pastor Martinez drove us around, drove us to a few places, a few cities. He kind of gave us, you know, some of the demographics, some of the areas where guys already were. Because there were at the time, I think, over 10 churches in that area. So it was good. It was a good area to go to. Yeah. Um,
0: he, Lots of help.
1: He, yeah. And so he showed us a few cities and and I was like, I don't know. Like I really didn't feel anything. Yeah. And so I just asked him. I said, if you were going to pioneer, where would you go? And he said, West Jordan. And so that was enough for me. Again, I never felt anything confirmed by God. Yeah. But just the direction of Pastor Mitchell, then Pastor Greg, then Pastor Martinez. We, that's where we went. We got announced, and sure enough, it was exactly where God wanted us to be. Yeah. And so we get there. Uh, it was, you know, God knows. He knows. He knows what he's doing. Uh. So the the we we drove up there. We went GPS, which was a mistake because it took us through this snowy mountain overpass. And, like, we, it was a miserable trip. Daniel, he had just been born, like, a few months earlier. Like, maybe he was, like, eight months old. He had ear infections. Uh, Trevor was two. We get there, and then it had taken us, it was, like, 14 hours. My wife's in the van behind us. We're in the U-Haul. We finally get into the motel room late night after all day, and we just, like, we had a breakdown. Like wow. it was, I, <laughs> she she goes, I want to go home. <laughs> like we were one day <laughs> like, in we just got yeah. here. <laughs> and she was like, I miss my mom. Like it was like, kids are sick. We're like, oh, it was just, yeah. it was a brutal, brutal day. And then that night it snowed a whole bunch. Uh, we got snowed in the motel room and, and we were off. And, but, but God just immediately he opened a door for a house for us uh we were in the motel like a couple days Wow. and we like dry looking we found a house awesome got into that house and we i think probably we i think we moved in like monday or tuesday and that that friday we invited our upstairs neighbors over Mm -hmm. Uh, for a bible study so they came over and went around the street you know just down the street inviting people and so we had a few people come over to our house Um, and it's all you know it's all Mormons there yeah uh, or members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints right and so they um, they knew who we were Uh, I I felt very much like the spies uh, in Jericho because within like a week they knew who we were where we were from what we were there for so, and we found that out because we were outreaching our neighborhood and we knocked on a door like the next week for our next Bible study or wow. whatever we were doing. And the lady told my wife, she goes, oh, you're the new couple here. You're here to start the church or the potter's house. Wow. And she said, yeah, they told us about you at our meeting, like in, the, in their wow. church. Like they had talked about meeting. who we were. Yeah. Wow. And they're in, con- listen, the Mormons are in control in Utah. Like wow. they know what's going on. So we, we, we were like, great. Like that's what we want. We're here to invade. Like we were yeah, not. Yeah. I didn't feel yeah. afraid. I was yeah. like excellent. Excellent. They know we're here. <laughs> like like I want to be yeah. enemy number one. It was pretty foolish of me to think yeah. that way, but whatever. So we just kept inviting our neighbors over, different people around the streets, and and and. Uh, so we were gonna do a grand opening that we did that. You know, it was it was we were kind of getting a few people in our house. And so I started looking, couldn't find a, a building to meet in. We finally found this little um, – it would be like a YMCA kind of like event center, yeah. Uh, community center. There's a birthday room that had mirrors on one side, the pool on the other side, and then uh, windows to the hallway where the exercise area was. So it was horrible little place to set up in. But we did. <laughs> we rented this place at 11 a.m., we did 2 weeks of outreach. We got out like 5000 flyers. Wow. The first service, nobody showed up. Not even the people like our friend like people we'd been working with. Yeah, yeah. Nobody came. And so we go in, you know, we're so excited. Me and my two little kids and my wife and we set up and there's these people on the other side of the window on their exercise bikes, you know, like sweating <laughs> up. They're watching us. So we're wearing dress clothes, yes. church clothes. We come in, we set up our yes. chairs, our screen. Awesome. And we just eleven o'clock hits, and we're just kind of sitting there, like waiting for anyone to show up. There might have even been people show up, but they just like turned around and left. Yeah, they like, so, this, they're like, No, this is so strange. <laughs> and, and those people on the exercise—they they, they were like the exercise bike people were, were like taunting us, like with just looking at us. And they weren't—they <laughs> weren't, but it just felt that way because they're facing <laughs> us, like through the window, yeah, like looking at our our dumb little idea that we have. <laughs> And so we, we're there, and, and we wait. Uh-huh. It's like 30 minutes. And so we were like, okay, let's sing a song, pray, and we'll be done. So we sing a church song, <laughs> and I don't know why. And, and so we just kind of like, okay, let's pray. Yes, Jesus, help us. And I said, okay, yep, kids, obey your parents. Wife, submit to your husband, and you want to pray. And then, okay, Trevor, lift up your hand. Yeah, good job. Okay, now let's pray. All right. That's it. <laughs> and it was <laughs> literally like 15 minutes of mocking ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And and then we packed everything back up and the same exercise bike people are watching and we put everything back on the the little trolley and we take it all back out and uh wow. like go be miserable you know we were <laughs>
0: did you guys keep meeting in that little yeah room?
1: so the next week we had 12 people show up
0: that's so cool it was it was it was awesome that's so cool
1: and that was hit uh, and miss you know uh because it was such a weird place yeah, but yeah. like a it was a bad location but <laughs> we had a sign out we just it was anyway so we had some people coming and, and some people had gotten saved and a lady. So we were, were doing loads of outreaches. Were you yeah, getting,
0: were you getting Mormons saved? Is that who was getting saved? No, anymore?
1: we were getting. Um, so we had a bunch of uh, like a Puerto Rican family that oh, kind of cool. like extended. They had gotten saved. Cool. We had some uh, Native American families. Different different uh, Native American uh, uh, families come in, uh, not connected to each other. We had. Um different races were getting saved, which was unique because Utah's so so white, yeah. you know, but but just that's who w- was coming in. Yeah. And it was probably looking back now, the areas we were outreaching, <laughs> yeah. like like that was the areas where we yeah. were targeting these these apartment areas where we had some good success. And right across the street from a park, we were showing movies. So in the meantime of all those kind of sorry service meetings, we were just loading up the, the week with outreaches yeah, just it, like movies like anything we could do yeah. and uh, uh, walking the streets I, I, I like almost mapped out the area like we're going to hit every street and every house like very systematically yeah, yeah. and we did and every time a wow. team would come in we'd mark out blocks and just really trying to get as much of this city hit as fast as possible sure. as many events we can do and Pastor Greg was like, like, so supportive because he saw us working, yeah, and he was just helping us with, like, like anything we needed, he was making it happen. And so we ended up very quickly after that. We got into a building, um, had to do, a, you know, a little bit of remodeling, not much at all, just kind of finish a wall and this. And so a little building, bathroom, nursery, back room, that was it. And in that building is where these people just kind of transitioned to. Yeah, we had this lady get saved who was a key convert and uh, she'd gotten saved on one of our little, you know, movie outreaches we did. Her family got saved and, but she told us, she said, uh, my dad's gonna come and I just gotta let you know, I'm a daddy's girl. And she's like 35, 36 years old. She goes, whatever he says, I'm gonna do it. So I hope he likes you. And I was like, well, gosh, I hope so too, you know? Yeah. And so he was gonna meet, meet us at a, an outreach. Uh-huh. And so I was very intimidated. This guy was older. Um, I'm setting up this movie and he kind of shows up and he's kind of hanging out, leaning on this tree, like so intimidated. He's this Puerto yeah, Rican yeah. guy.
0: yeah.
1: And I was, I was like, like really desperately praying, God, you, I know I'm going to lose this convert if this guy doesn't like me. Yeah. Like, please, somehow make him like me like just (laughs) let him be blind to whatever he doesn't like about me and just love like and so he comes up and and so he starts talking and i immediately get the feeling and it was incorrect but i thought this is a religious guy because he's talking about being spiritual and sure well kind of his spiritual was he smokes pot with his family in the house while they have church you know and in in the house sure you know he's not a religious guy but i was just so intimidated i was so scared that this guy wasn't going to like me anyway he kind of came around talked you know introduced okay great and so she came back the next week and she's like well he likes you and i was like god is a gracious and merciful father <laughs> like he really helps yeah and and so he actually what the miracle of this is this girl this you know she lady she's 35 36 years old the number escapes me now but i think it was just shy of a hundred people that she brought through church just as visitors wow and and obviously not all of them stayed but a lot of them did she really brought in loads of converts. she was a manager at mcdonald's and she just had impact on people she'd throw flyers in all the bags going out i just incredible lady um she i married her to this other guy that was in church uh, that they were like they were living together when she got saved and he got saved and so I married them um, she had three boys from another guy and and just working through all this so anyway her father this Puerto Rican man he gets saved and he became the rock of the church really and I was like stunned at this he became the guy he never missed service he wow. never missed outreach he's wow. like an older man you know but yeah. he was on it he would go every town out of town outreach. Um, every, every time we went to revival in another city, he was always, awesome. always there. And he, he got so saved. He goes, I was cleaning out my movies he and, uh, th- I'd never sp- said any of this to him, yeah. but he goes, I was cleaning out my movies and I was thinking I could sell these. But then I was like, well, you know what? If I don't need them, I probably shouldn't sell them. And he just throws everything away. Wow. And, and, uh, he goes, I was left with two DVDs because I thought I'm going to only keep ones that like God wouldn't be embarrassed with. Like, wow. so no swearing, like, like good values. Wow, He said, I had two DVDs left and that's, wow. and he kept, this guy got so converted. That and and cool. so he locked in, his wife came. Um, and so in the, in the years since then, that was, I think, what, 13 years ago.
0: Is that, is that st- church still going strong?
1: Yeah, it's kind of been meld, meshed uh, into other ones. So somebody took it over initially, uh, but it's been meshed into, you know, other yeah. things. And, and there's happens. a lot of churches up there now, yeah. even more um through through uh there's like several area churches around mm-hmm. it um there is another church in west jordan now i see uh, okay. uh that's moved into that area but they have both 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 these um uh, uh this this guy who got saved tom keyless and his wife both of them have passed away now both passed away saved wow Praise like God. in heaven yeah like such a reward yeah for me and and my family to know yeah. that this guy was just smoking pot in his living room, having church with his eleven people it was, in his family—it
0: was, was worth the little rinky-dink yeah. YMCA. Yeah, it's so <laughs> worth it.
1: So worth it. Bike and, riding, and so God absolutely helped us in that. We yeah. were there for two years. Had great stuff. Um, we were, we were not self-supporting yet, but I was, I was moving a hundred dollars less every month. Okay. So we, I think we were asking for like twelve hundred a month, and then so we'd gotten down to like four or five hundred. Wow. Somewhere in there, and uh, and then so then at the conference, um, Pastor Greg said, "Yeah, in Lake Havasu, um, we got a transition happening. Uh, 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 Pastor Sanger was going to go overseas to American Samoa. Yeah, and uh, so." We were, he asked to take that church, which was 28 years old at the time. So, yeah, we did that.
0: That was 29 Palms.
1: That was Lake Havasu, no, Arizona. Lake Havasu. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. So we went there and, you know, transitioned the church in West Jordan over.
0: Is Lake Havasu to, still operating?
1: Yeah. It is. Pastor Porter, Gordon Porter's there. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so we went there. We were only there for six months, um, which I, I felt like, like I, you know, I don't know why, but I just put several people out of church while I was there in six <laughs> months. It just happened, like it just, like I never wanted to, but it yeah. just happened. Like it was on my watch. It's what happened. Um, things came up. Uh, some long term things just boiled to the surface. Yeah. Um, and and of course I was in conversation with Pastor Greg, and we, there was there was a council there um, as well. And so some of the guys there in the church is just kind of bouncing things off them. And so it happened. And I was there six months, and I loved. Lake Havasu, like yeah. our family, we loved it there. We loved that being there. Yeah. Um, And then at again, at an odd time, not at a conference, but um, there was an opportunity, Pastor Greg called and said, there's an opportunity in 29 Palms. Uh, you want to move there? And so asked us there, asked about that. And so I said, yes. And I'm sure I probably couldn't convince people to this day in the Lake Havasu church that I left because I didn't like them but I didn't like it was just you know just moment of life like I was there for six months I just kicked some people (laughs) people out (laughs) like not like it just happened and then I left
0: and sorry I had to be the guy (sighs)
1: but anyway so then we went to 29 palms shortly after sure and that was because another couple went overseas so we took that church from them and uh, again as I mentioned that was great like God worked things out in me but you know, when I got there, because of, you know, just pride and insensitivity and not knowing exactly what to do, uh, lack of questions, and uh, we kind of nosedived for a bit, and I didn't know how to pull up. You know, I didn't know how to, like... This is in 29? Yeah, and, and and it kind of went down, down, down. Like, like, there were good people, thank God for them, that stayed, but we lost people, and... Um, It was like once we started hitting the tops of trees it was like i need to really figure out how to get out of this nosedive yeah and and thank god we did um again that was it was in conversation with pastor gray a rebuke that i needed and helped me and was able to correct some things and so we got out of that actually i went there were two people i went to that had left church and I found them in the city and I said, look, I probably didn't do everything right when I got here by you. Um, you know what? I apologize for that. I'm sorry. And uh, if you would ever give me the chance to be your pastor again, uh, I would I would love another opportunity. And so just left it that, like went to their house, their yeah, yeah. front door, just a quick conversation and, and left that. Um, in fact, one of those families did. Immediately they came back. Wow. And... And we're in church and it was like reconciled. And two weeks later, he had a heart attack and died. Oh my gosh. I wow. know. And it was like God's grace on yeah. my life not yeah. to have to carry that. Yeah. That this guy would come in and things reconciled yeah. right before that. Yeah. And thank God. Like that's why I thank God so much for leadership and like yeah. conference. Because I had actually heard Pastor Artie Aragon did that to somebody. Wow. Had gone to their house and said that. And yeah. I almost like... Word for word borrowed what he said. Yeah, But that's, it had he like, it, down. it saved me. Yeah. Like yeah. finding out that he had a heart attack. It was like, like, You're
0: like thank oh, God. I'm so glad I yes. made that right. God's
1: before. grace yeah. on me yeah. to not have to carry that around. That I, Cause I knew it was my fault. Yeah. They did not have to leave. They weren't rebellious. They weren't bad people. They're not like frontline disciples, but they're just people. They're just yeah. like in the church supporting what we're doing there. They're, they enjoy it. So I knew they didn't have to leave. Can
0: you be specific about why they left? Was it was it something you said to them or was it just yeah, a I, general vibe?
1: I I don't remember, honestly. Okay. Um there was I think it was just m- my like I was just sharp with them. Okay. Like I'm I'm I think I was just sharp. I was just insensitive, you know.
0: Yeah, like abrasive
1: yeah just insensitive I, yeah. you know I just in conversation with them um probably like just thinking back of myself back then probably wanting them to be like frontline a people uh, and like oh you missed outreach again or you know just saying uh, like insensitive things
0: yeah yeah
1: where it was just like, that was dumb. Why? Yeah. You're like hurting yourself. Like, yeah. why would you say that? That doesn't yeah. matter in life. Yeah, yeah. But probably those kind of things. I see. And I don't know what it was exactly. I don't remember. But probably some kind of insensitive things that I, I had sure. said. So they came back. And, and anyway, so God was God worked things out through 29 Palms. And uh, that, that kind of helped me learn how to kind of like work with people a bit, you know, yeah. like, like, uh, start enlarging my heart, <laughs>
0: you know, like and maybe kind of let people be at their level yeah, to an extent. Yeah. Like God work on them. Yeah. Is that kind of what it Yeah.
1: Is? Yeah, definitely. Like, like some, like learning to be magnanimous yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, And I didn't get a lot of it, but that's where it started. Sure. Know? And that's where kind of that, that was released. Those, those conversations started with Pastor Greg and, and, uh, Learning those things, um, so then I was there for three years, and by the end of that time, um, as far as the the church, like we had converts and we had disciples and Praise people God. that were getting out of the military and staying, like yeah. like that that That's, was going yeah. really well. There were still things at work in me um, that were that were v- like bad, like yeah. funky. Um, but just in, you know, character flaws and things that, that I was, that I hadn't dealt with, like entitlement, you know, those things. But, um, so it's like, God was like, you know, God arranges life. Yeah. And so God arranged life to expose my heart and some things. Sure. And so anyway, so when we left 29 Palms, um, so this is, so this was crazy. It was a Thursday in, um. In September of 2014, I'm working at the grocery store, and uh, Pastor Greg Were you calls. working
0: at the Rite Aid there by the building?
1: No, uh, Stater Brothers. No, Stater Brothers. Yeah, what it yeah, is. yeah. It's not Rite Aid. Yeah, that, was, that was State, the place. That one right next yeah. to the church? uh-huh. Wow. I was actually facing the liquor section, you know? Like, there you go. And Pastor Greg called. And so I look at the phone, you know, and it's like, uh, like he's not, probably not calling just to chit-chat.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: So I'm in the liquor section and I was like, "Oh, I can't answer in the, you know." So I can not answer <laughs> in the liquor section. It just felt very wrong, you know, like
0: <laughs>
1: Anyway, yeah. so I go outside call him and he, and he says, "Um, you know how you told me you want to go overseas before?" And I said, "Yes." He said, "Are you serious about that?" And I said, "Yes. This is a Thursday morning." And he said, "Okay, we have a need overseas in American Samoa but um, there's a family emergency and so you have to be there in, in one week like, wow you, you have to leave next week wow and your whole family doesn't have to but at least you need to you need to go by then wow so he was like okay tell me what's going on in your head right now and I was like ah, <laughs> you know like I you know I don't know <laughs> I don't know what's happening in my head um, but he was like like you know how it yeah. works. You know, it's just like, fast, let's go, decide. And I I was like, all right, I don't know. This, you know, okay, well, I'm thinking about this and that. And okay, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, you know, he solves all the problems. And he said, okay, talk to your wife and let me know. But you got to let me know very soon. Yeah. So I go inside and I'm worthless as a worker now. So I go to my boss and like, listen, I just had this this phone call. It's, I just, can I go home? He lets me go home. I go and ask Megan, okay, what do you think? And so being the fantastic wife she is, she's like, yeah, whatever. Like, all right, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm with you. Let's, Let's go. go. And so yeah. I call him back, okay, yeah, we'll go. And he goes, okay. And just like releases us to do what is necessary to get out of here as soon as possible. And wow. so the next day, Thursday, that was Thursday, Friday, we drive down to Los Angeles to the federal building. We get same day passports for all my family. Um, so that we can travel yeah. we go Saturday we have some people over from the church like the you know main, main disciples and stuff and we tell them we're going to be announcing tomorrow that we're going to be leaving mm-hmm. so let them know I'm texting everybody in church big announcement coming Sunday morning you don't want to miss it like yeah, please come and so come to find out everybody thinks we're going to announce Megan's having a baby uh-huh. <sighs> like that's how we would do it you know yeah, like right. tell everybody don't yeah. miss it so, um, they, and they were like, when I announced it, I, Sunday morning, I announced it before I preached cause I was going to preach on and then deal with it. And it was like death. Like we, and I announced wow. it Wow. and people were so shocked. They were like ready for
0: a like, baby, a
1: baby. <laughs> they're
0: like, bye. And, <laughs> and, and wow. there
1: was a handful of people that were not our converts, but most of the people had come in while we yeah. were there. And so it was very, uh very hard. But, but the way God set it up is the Sunday before that I had preached about the will of God and being willing at any moment to, to respond with a yes. Wow. And it was like at any moment, like doing the will of God, you know, having yeah. no idea. And so I was just able to pull on that sermon and just preach and just kind of like the, the will of God is That's bigger. Awesome.
0: And you had no idea this was coming. No, you no just happened to preach that sermon.
1: Yeah. And so I announced, um, Wednesday night is going to be our final service. It'll be our transition. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I knew who was coming yet, but it ended up being uh, Devin and Jackie Riles. Yeah, they were on staff at the time. So that night, I think I preached, you know, something about a new pastor or something. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we sold and got rid of pretty much everything we had. Wow. And we did take a container of like some large items, and because it's an island, so it's very hard to get stuff. Yeah. Any with any kind of you know, deal, and and shipping was a lot cheaper then and stuff. So, um, and so the next Thursday, that was one week. We were on the plane in LA, uh, flying wow. out. So it was a one week turnaround. Yeah, Dang. It was pretty wild. So we got there, and the the they didn't even know who we were. Uh, the people in American Samoa, they didn't know what we looked like. So when we're coming off the plane out of kind of the uh, uh, the airport area where you come out, and and there's a crowd of people, because Samoa is like. When you the airport, it's like a party. There's like thousands of people there that aren't flying, but uh-huh. they're just there because families coming in, and oh, just right. it's 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 so cool. Yeah, and so we're coming out, and they they're just looking at every white person, and wondering if what it's is, us, is it which it's there's not very flight. many. There's like yeah, four, yeah. like like maybe two, three, four families total on the oh, plane. Wow. Maybe that many, but yeah. everyone else is someone. And so there's a couple old people that came out and they were like, "I don't know." And then us. Yeah, yeah. So we came out and and they welcomed us, just fantastic. You know, they they uh, took us to the house, the motel, and the next day, and then our first we had our first Sunday, and we were wow off and running In October.
0: Jeez. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And then you kind of recently. So this was seven years ago. Seven and a half years. Seven ago. Seven and a half years ago. Yeah. And then something. Something kind of strange happened this conference. You guys. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we were there in America.
1: seven and a half years. And, you can know, you, can you tell the story? Or yeah. This, okay. Yeah. So um, it was just so, you know, in that seven and a half years. Okay. Just let me. Okay. So let me go back. I'll just, yeah. Yeah. No, just a no, no. brief what happened in those yeah. seven and a half years. Um, it was like God saw who I was and kind of said, you need more isolation like <laughs> you need more time in the oven and apparently being like 29 palms isolation is not enough not enough and so you're gonna go to this yeah, little no, no, tiny no, no, island no. in between like south america and australia and and just like be out there and you're gonna like face. it was like face yourself yeah. you know like yeah like see who you are and like sorry to any samoans listening Polynesians and Samoans are pretty prideful people. Yeah. Like very much. So like Polynesians are prideful. And then like Samoans are like, I mean, they're at a level. They're extra. And so what God did is he like took my pride and said, okay, let's see you make it with these people. Yeah. And he used them. Like he made me face myself so I could work with them. Yeah. And like learn to love them. And it was, it's interesting because right before I had gone, God had opened the door to Samoans a couple of times, which I had never, I wasn't even aware of Samoans. Like, right. like, like they just, you know, it's kind of like Utah. I never thought about it. Um, but he, he had in the couple of like sermons and then Pastor Daryl Darry, Elliott preached a sermon about people groups and yeah. like Samoans were on my mind. Yeah, Like this wow. was like a week or two before I'd gotten the call. Like wow. crazy, God it yeah. was opening my heart to these people. And he took me and put me in, and, and was like, "Like, okay, with your pride, you're gonna you're gonna learn to love these people." Uh-huh. And I and I did, like, like it took time, you know, just because yeah. of my pride and and resistance to change, and you know, my my like everything's got to be right and perfect, and it's got to be in order. Everything's got to be right. And nothing in the island is on time. <laughs> like nothing <laughs> operates how I want life to operate. Yeah. And it was like God took me and put me in a place that is so opposite of everything I am. Yeah. And, and not because they're doing it wrong, but because they're doing it different. Yeah. And that's what I had to learn. Sure. Different is not wrong. Yeah. It's just different. And that's okay. And, and so God helped me to, to work those things out. And it took years and years, but, but through the slow process of learning, um, the church you know again it bottomed out uh it didn't always go well there was a few moments and things happened but in the process of the the benefit of bottoming out is you bounce yeah and so you get to bounce up (laughs) and so we did so we bounced up and things got going in a better direction and I had a real crisis over there. So obviously, so my dad died while I was over there. Yeah. Um, and that was a shock, you know, just like that phone call was like unreal, you know. So my, I was talking to my brother and he's telling me it was an early Saturday morning. I I was, we'd just finished revival through a Friday night with Rodney Lambert. He was staying at my house. Um, it's early morning. I call him, I walk into our, our little closet there and Close the door so Megan you know she was sleeping and he's telling me and I'm sitting in my closet floor and he's telling me that my dad died and I I felt like nothing like it was like not real yeah I couldn't really like even like process like what was happening in in because it was such a shock yeah like I had just I knew he was in Austin Texas preaching revival yeah it
0: was a shock to everyone
1: yeah like he had sent me a text like you know like of driving there it was so so when he told me i was like uh okay that's it like okay like i don't know what else to do
0: yeah
1: and so i i kind of got up and went in the room and i just stood there and then megan woke up you know because i was just kind of like standing so she's she's like you know what's wrong or whatever yeah and I said, my dad died. And it was like obviously, it was shocking for her, you know, it was just yeah. like crazy. And and we're just like trying to, like I never cried like in that time. Yeah. Just like pure shock. Um. But I I knew um. I'm gonna ha- I'm I'm gonna have to find a way to get home. But it, there's only two flights a week, so it's very strange. And yeah, you know, Rodney was there. And so just bring my kids and tell them and, and um, you know, like, you know, they're crying. And I was just like in a stupor. And so just so that uh, Pastor Lambert wasn't uncomfortable, I, had, I wanted to tell him. So yeah. I kind of went out and, you know, breakfast and I just told him and said, just so you know, you know, this, this is what happened. And um, he's, he, he's a smart guy. He's been a pastor in a long time. Yeah. And so I think he saw my stupor. Yeah. And kind of like my my loss, I was just like, didn't know what to do. And so he gave us some time. We're talking, trying to move, you know, phone calls and everything's happening. And, yeah. and so he, he says, before I leave, because he was supposed to fly out that, that morning. He was before I leave, he just kind of got us together. And he opened his Bible and he, he read some things. And then he prayed for us. And he said a few things about like, you know, it's times like this. This is where we lean on God and just these like pastoral words yeah that i desperately needed yeah and he helped me so much in that time and then he flew out and uh so i, was, I had to get home da, 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 da. so come home and and deal with a funeral and help my mom through everything i could help and but you know it was short It was like maybe yeah. 10 days two weeks at the most yeah uh, and then back on the island and it really like that was 2017, and that was September of 17, and then it, it was like nine months where I I was really lost, in and not my call. Like I knew I was called to be a preacher, but but just in my identity. Yeah. Because it was like essentially, like like I said, like the proud thing. Like I, don't, I had nothing to be proud of. The only thing I was proud of is that he was my father. Yeah. Like I'm his son, and yeah. it wasn't right. It wasn't good pride. Yeah, but that was kind of like what I was. I was mm-hmm. Dennis Wright's son, and I was very proud of that. Yeah, and it wasn't right, and all that. But whatever. So, but coming now into after he would passed away, I dealt with some pride things and all. You know, a lot of this stuff had been happening, but um, it was like I was. It was like every. It was like the good thing of my life was gone, hmm. and the one who I knew was praying for me that if i was struggling i knew he was praying for me
0: yeah
1: more than anyone else like he was gone now and so what what covering of prayer is gone like what am i exposed to yeah like what's gonna assault my life like who am i like i don't have this value anymore and i just like i didn't do well i just like kind of became carnal and just Mm -hmm. like lazy in ministry and yeah. just I don't know I just kind of like like stopped doing the work of ministry yeah. and it led me to a, a like a serious ministry crisis wow. where I was like done and um and so you know obviously Pastor Greg like Saved things by, I like knowing exactly what I needed at the right moment, yeah. like to what I needed to hear, and
0: what did he tell you?
1: I don't want to say
0: <laughs> <laughs> too private. Uh, All right, yeah, yeah, it no was worries.
1: like you know, I was having these crises, and you know, and I don't, I don't know, I, I don't know everything that was going on. You know, there's yeah. a, there was a lot of moving parts to especially in myself like a lot of things that were were in upheaval and and in in my my own life um i'd gotten to a place where i was just so like it was so demonic like i'd been under this assault but i i was like giving up you know on on ministry i didn't want to quit yeah because i there's you know like i don't want to quit but it was like I didn't see the reason to keep going. It was like I'm not making any difference. Like ministry up to this point, like it's done. Like I'm not doing any good for anybody. Wow. So like, I'll just like maintain at the lowest yeah. minimum. Yeah. But I was in ministry, so it was kind of hard not to. <laughs> yeah. Like I had to preach every three times a week. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of hard to do that and yeah. be healthy. Like it was very unhealthy.
0: Yeah.
1: But Pastor Greg, he he. Through like w- the combination of words and like like his actions and how he handled me, yeah, was like I don't know. It was like exactly exactly what I desperately needed. Yeah, like in that time. Yeah, and uh, and then Pastor uh, Pastor Perry helped me through that because he was my area leader, and I just kind of made the decision. If I'm gonna be here, and even if it's only six more months, I'm gonna give it my all. yeah, I'm gonna do everything I can. And so I did. I just went all in on six months and and it kind of went well. So I was like, well, let's go. All okay, on the next six. I may as well do another six and I will come back for furlough <laughs> yeah. and then see what happens. And so yeah. another six And that second six months i I asked God for I said i want I want two new families in church. And I want men. Yeah. Like, I want men to work with. Yeah. And God answered that prayer in those Some six disciples. months. Yeah, like two families came in locked yeah. in. Convert families got saved. Praise God. And and men. And I was, so I came back for furlough. And I was like, I don't know. what. Who knows what will happen? I just kind of hid for conference, you know? Like, <laughs> just kind of stayed out of the way. I'm just going to do my thing. I'm here for yeah. conference and I'm back to work. Yeah. And I went back and you know just again it was like if i'm here i'm gonna give it my all yeah and i just started working for converts and breakthrough and like i was like gosh i wish i hadn't wasted time here yeah because it works yeah like like our fellowship works like every. and i had become convinced that it wouldn't work really because of every excuse that's ever been given sure. i had them but yeah, it yeah. was like no it works like it really works you just got to do it you just got to do it the way we do it yeah and you have to fight yeah. I had to fight my myself, my own carnality. And I had to, yeah. like, like my flesh. And like, I'm not going to do that. And I'm going to live for this. And I'm going to, like, give it all. Like, even if there's a handful of people, I'm going to do my work in my sermons. I'm going to outreach. And I'm sure. going to go on my, I'm going to go by myself. And I'm going to outreach. I'm going to, and, you know, not going crazy. Not, I'm not going to abuse my family. You know, right. like, <laughs> like, you know, it's yeah. hot or it's raining. And no, we are going. Like, yeah, yeah. Not like a psycho, but just with wisdom. Just, yeah. but I'm I'm gonna work. Like yeah. I'm gonna do the work, and God in in miraculous fashion showed me that He is capable of of doing His work and building His church anywhere in the world. Yeah, wow. and so thank God we had miracle money, miracle like, and you know paying our bills and in a culture of like poverty and things that just it was. You know, poverty, no one worked, just, you know, extreme pride and laziness and entitlement and welfare and all this that happens. We, in the church, it was a different culture. Yeah. Like businessmen, people that own business, people yeah. that worked, yeah. people that would get jobs and immediately start tithing. And like, so that covered, we were able to be self-supporting and then able to start doing like outreaches and able to start putting money aside and able yeah. to like take offering for uh, like an overseas trip, like to fully fund an overseas trip. And wow. like all these things God started doing, Praise like God. just just phenomenal. And And then we came back. Uh, so we got this miracle building so we broke ground on it and because everything in samoa takes forever um it just you (laughs) know it's like it's it's happening but very slowly and uh you know but i'm being patient because god's taught me this and so i'm just working it through (laughs) and so in july last year uh uh pastor uh pastor ruben gonzalez and april get announced to come pioneer with us yeah and so they because of paperwork and COVID and all this stuff they don't get there till the very end of november out of quarantine in december of 2021 last year so he gets out he immediately preaches a revival for me because we hadn't had one in almost two years wow um because we were locked down total lockdown yeah and then right after that is our south pacific conference which we did live stream so in in my house there at the church gather over live stream in the conference and then it was straight into christmas and holidays so he couldn't really pioneer yet and then january we're coming back and because of quarantines and all these crazy things they're doing we were going to have to miss a month of church
0: and this is so so the guy that you were going to send out this is no 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 no.
1: we weren't going to send anybody out okay this is a pioneer coming from indio california oh i'm
0: sorry i got you okay
1: yeah so he was coming so he got there yeah um he was he went he came to pioneer in december i see so he comes to pioneer in December, uh, we go through the holidays and all that. And so we were going to miss that January. So he was just going to cover our services for January. I see. And okay. then in February, when we get back, um, he was going to start pioneering in Leone. Right. And we were going to just support him and, and just start pumping all of our work sure. into, you know, building these new, the new church. And, and so, uh, conference, we obviously get COVID. So we test positive, uh, after conference, our whole family yeah. and, uh, so we miss our flight, and it was supposed to go back in January. And because there's such a limitation on the flights, at that point, I think they were flying every three weeks uh-huh. one flight every three weeks. Jeez. And uh, so we got bumped. The first available flight was April uh, after January. So it was April. So we were here three months. We're going to have to be here three months. So, you know, ask, ask Pastor Gonzalez would you be willing to just cover the services for three months and just postpone your pioneering? until we get back mm-hmm. so you know his pastor Pastor Greg we kind of coordinated okay yep that's what we're going to do and so we're getting closer to April and uh, in American Samoa they changed the rules again for how to get back they changed the change the requirements and so uh, we to meet those requirements would mean uh, that we would have to miss our next April flight because we would need time yeah. you know, th- th- to get things in order so we were going to miss that and so we got bumped from that, that flight in April and the next available flight then would have been, I think it was July or August. Oh my and gosh. so it becomes six or seven months before we can get back. And that's if everything goes perfect. Like nobody yeah. gets COVID and everything yeah. works out and yeah. there's not a change. And so just, it was like, well, obviously the, the church can't be without their pastor for six months and yeah. be healthy. Um, and lo and behold, God's already set up. There's a pastor there who's been pastoring the people for three months already. Sure. And so, you know, Pastor Greg just talked to the, his pastor and worked things out. And okay, so it was all agreed. He's just going to assume pastor to the church. There you go. And uh, we're going to stay here and evangelize.
0: And that's kind of, you kind of were doing that a little bit just in the meantime. For your, yeah, for those three months those from three January
1: months. to April, it was like uh, get to work, you know, start. Yeah, do something here. So. You can't just sit around. Thank God for good friends. Yeah. They, they let me preach for them. Help me. Um, and it was great so i had a you know i had a good time doing that and so
0: now you're functioning as a full-time evangelist
1: full-time evangelist we uh
0: and just an all-around cool guy to be around yeah yeah well, his sons are like pillars in our church these days they are <laughs> oh, like savages they help uh-huh. they're they're here every morning praying they help with like set up and tear down of literally they're good everything good boys yeah great kids great job yeah good they job. actually
1: um I, it's enjoyable for me to see them because my my whole ministry, we've been uh, – I've preached to them, especially in Samoa. Like I preach to them what is coming, like wh- where we're going, yeah. like ministries and just like putting before them and not only them but the disciples in church and guys in church and the church this is where we're going ministries and church planting and like Mm -hmm. all the things I dream of that Prescott has, you know? And so their whole life they've been hearing about this wonderful land that we're all going to arrive at (laughs) once the church is built. And so then they come to Prescott and it's like, Oh, this is it. Like this is everything that dad has talked about for our whole lives. It's functioning here. And so to see men, they, they like, they love ministry. Yeah. They love working and they like do. helping. And they I mean that's been their whole life, you know, pioneering yeah. is they they're the song service, that the ushers, you know. <laughs> yeah. They're like doing so much, yeah. always involved. Dude, so yeah. for them to come here and to be able to watch them, I'm I'm very proud of them, you know. They're very they're they're doing great.
0: Yeah. They're killing it. Well, I think that's a probably a good place to to end it right there, but uh appreciate you coming on. If you've listened to today's featured guest and are stirred by their words, please contact us at ph at gmail.com. We'd love to let them know that they encouraged you. If you're not right with God and you're listening to this podcast, Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you would like to give your life to Jesus, as our featured guest, our hosts, and many millions of others have, simply repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for my sins and rose from the dead. From this moment forward, I turn from my sins. Please come into my heart and change me. Make me a new creation in Christ. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you gave your life to Christ because of this podcast, please contact us and let us know. We would love to help you find a church home.